Hey, Cask Chasers, we'll start the show in just a moment. But first, a word from our sponsor. You know, during the summertime, Haida. Yes. I think about doing cocktails. Yes. But at night, right? Starts getting a little cooler out. Mm-hmm. We light up the chimney outside. Mm-hmm. I love pouring a little Kilhome in Macker Bay. I know you do, babe. Right? It's got that smokiness, has that sweetness, mm-hmm. but has this brightness too that kind of, you know, you think of smoking, you just think of winter and bundling up. But for me, it's that brightness kind of, it's almost refreshing. I'll have to take your word for it. You don't think like smoky whiskey is refreshing? No. Okay. Well, I hope the Cast Chasers listeners take my word for it because I think I'm damn right in this case. I'm sure you are. You know what else I'm right about? What's up? Impex being a proud sponsor of the Cask Chasers podcast. Yeah, babe. Yeah, babe. Hey, Cask Chasers. It's Katie. And today we're talking sourcing. We're talking independent bottling. We're talking barrel picks and how each way of making whiskey is a chase all its own. Make sure you save this episode. It's one you're going to want to keep referencing for weeks after you listen for the first time. So pour a dram and settle in. This is the Cask Chasers podcast. Bobby, how's it going? Good. That was a, you know what that reminded me of? Please tell me. Was that, is it, what's that? Bah, 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 crap. Chia it, Pet. Chia Pet. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sitting here, I'm like, Chia Pet. It's Chia Pet. Cha, 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 Chia. Ba, 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 Bobby. It's the Chia Pet episode. <laughs> I remember that. I never had one. I wanted one so bad, right? I know. The pottery got, that grows? We got one recently. Disappointment. Yeah. Which one did you get? It was like a skull. Okay. Because I thought that was, you know, it, it, this was recent. I'm talking like a year or two ago. Reliving your childhood. And I'm like, wishes. fine. I always, because you see them, they put the thing on this. Because I wanted those and I wanted uh, sea monkeys. I got oh. sea monkeys. Disappointing. Also disappointing. Dis- yeah, yeah. Stupid. Yeah. Um, it's basically just dirty water with little dirty animals, miniature, whatever. So for some reason in my head, I'm thinking, okay, yeah, that was a miss, but this won't be. But I never got one. And then I'm an adult and I got one. I was like, I had better parents than I thought because <laughs> this thing sucks. That's the takeaway. That's <laughs> the takeaway. I have better parents Stupid. than I thought. Aaron, what, what childhood uh, toy or entertainment thing did you want uh, that you recently treated yourself gosh. to recently? Oh, so do you know do you know what I never what I never had and what I never played with until I was older was um, a talk boy. Um, what? You remember the talk boy from um uh uh, Home Alone Two, I think, is is when is the movie he had in one of the Home Alone movies, right? I I know what a talk boy is. It's it's a little recorder. And it's got it's got a telescoping. No, you started this. Yeah, it's I your did. fault. I don't think it's her fault. I think it's our fault for hearing the Chia Pet <laughs> so jingle I, when I, she said Bobby. And I'll end it on this. Speaking of toys, and this since we're in the topic, and our listeners like to relate, sometimes toys come back and they oh, go yeah. after a younger generation and they pretend like they did. They just came up with it. Right. Remember Skip It. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. I saw a commercial yes. the other day for Skip It. It was like, all new Skip It. didn't say all new, but essentially what? they were like, Skip It. It's the Skip It. And I'm thinking, dude, that you just went into the garage 
and we're like, hey, <laughs> we got 38 million more of these. <laughs> Wait, they gotta, they gotta, don't they have to tie every toy to an app these days? Clip. They, no, this was not, it was a skip it. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's partially encouraging, partially like, yeah. Honestly, I wish lazy. I could stumble on a warehouse of an old toy that nobody has anymore and then make <laughs> millions on it again. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, Let's speaking of whiskey. Speaking <laughs> <laughs> the better adult toy. <laughs> I've got brand new toys now. Yeah, yeah. They come in bottles. Oh, man. <laughs> oh, that's funny. So what are we talking about? So today, we are talking about sourcing versus independent bottling versus barrel pick. Hmm. And I I want to get your guys' thoughts on why you're excited to talk about these things. Because I hear you like pepper our conversations with these phrases all the time. So, So me, very selfishly, I'm a little tired of explaining it to people. You know, so thanks it, for saying you don't want to do this episode. No, 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 no. <laughs> I this is the one. This, no. this is so he can <laughs> say show, go listen to that episode. This is one hundred percent what it is. <laughs> so that people are like, ah, oh, explain this to me, and I can just send them a link to an episode. But all, all joking aside, it's they're they are similar, but also very different. The these these sort of things. Um, the in some ways they're not clearly defined. In some ways they are clearly defined. Um, they're all somewhat related to each other, but why is one different than the other? Why is this thing this? Why is that thing that? And there, there, there's a whole lot of gray area that honestly we won't get through because there is just gray area that exists. Mm-hmm. But I think it's important for people to understand at least at, at their core what these different things are, what they mean, um, the, and just a little bit of the nuance as much as we can do. Cause I mean, we're, we're not experts in these subjects, but we can, you know, at least point people in the right direction. Be shepherds, right? Right. So I guess we'll, we can start with, um, independent bottling and there's a, there's a lot more to this, but because our episodes aren't six hours long, you know, mm-hmm. it's kind of a thing where we have to like kind of condense it down. So do your research, do some reading, but essentially independent bottling in a way kind of came first versus companies. Um, now, Scotch whiskey is the best example of IBs of independent bottling. And nowadays it's a little bit different. So I'll talk about the way it was. Back in the day, people made whiskey. Um, you may make it at a factory or wherever, but mo- a lot of people weren't bottling it themselves. They were selling it to other companies. Um, they might sell it to a pseudo, you know, not, I don't want to say drugstore, but a store or something, or they might sell it to, you know, somebody carrying wares or whatever. And then that person may put his name on it or, you know, maybe not a label, but I got this whiskey from so-and-so, but that was really sourced from an original, somebody else that distilled it. Mm. Or if it was in a village and somebody came through and this whiskey was made somewhere else, they would bring it and have it in their, that village. And then later on, these villages, glens, um, or valleys or whatever would sell it. And then you would have Glen Dronic, which, you know, or Glen, whatever Glen Valley of the blueberries or blackberries, whatever it means. Um, and it came, those became companies and that company became the establishments we know today. Whereas independent bottling never went away. Now, instead of, you know, other people just taking the whiskey and putting it in a bottle and selling it, you know, under their name, whatever. Now it's, it's a way for, people to experience unique or whiskeys that a larger company may not be able to get out the door because a, they have to be consistent. So they don't have time to mess with this whiskey for whatever reason. 
or this specific barrel or this specific age group. Older whiskeys are less of, for example, so they're hard to mass produce. You can't mass produce a really old whiskey. You know, today we're drinking, um, it's the exclusive malts, um, single grain whiskey. It's a 30 year, um, Invergordon, um, whiskey. Um, and it's produced, it's the 10th anniversary special edition. I think we paid like 200 bucks. This is through the Creative Whiskey Company, which is an independent bottling company. Mm-hmm. That's not mass produced. Invergordon doesn't, may not have the ability. So, you know, the Creative Whiskey Group, Exclusive Malts goes in and buys these bottles, these barrels, these unique expressions, what have you, and then they sell it under this label. Scotch whiskey sometimes is transparent, sometimes it's not. And But that's kind of what an IB is. It's the ability to go in and to bottle because you're looking for the uniqueness of it. Independent bottlers have become more of, I feel, a, a true independent bottler. The, the independent bottlers that you know I, I think are doing it right are really featuring the distillery. You know, right. there's so like this is the exclusive malts bottled by the Creative Whiskey Whiskey Company, um, and right here it says you know that it says that up at the top you know the exclusive malts and then it tells you what kind of whiskey it is which is Scotch single grain whiskey, then it says 1984 aged twenty aged thirty years distilled at and then in bold Invergordon Distillery Highlands, you know, and that's that's to me what an independent bottler is today, is saying hey. This whiskey came from this place. These days, what makes an independent bottler stand out is is that they're really featuring the distillery. I think that's a really neat twist, too, because like you guys were saying, I mean, there are so many people now that seem to be valuing transparency. Like, that's kind of trending. Um, but it to me, it seems like the other side of a coin to celebrate the rareness and uniqueness of a bottle. Like, you know, it, it could be argued, and maybe this was the case previously when they weren't so transparent about distilleries, that not knowing was kind of what added to that air of mystery and rarity and refinement and, oh, you just had to drink it. And now it's like people are more comfortable celebrating the spirits that are going into each blend. And so they're they're kind of leveraging that to showcase how much more, I don't know, delicious and, and special it is. And they may do something. Sometimes they, they'll secondary, they'll age them in something different or they'll age mm-hmm. them a little longer. Um, it's, it's, it's an opera, it's beneficial to the distilleries too, specifically back in the day, because there's, there's areas of non-profitability, you know, where they're not making money. There was those lulls or something while they're producing, while production is happening. And specifically back in the day, they didn't have mass productabilities, produce production abilities. So these independent bottlers were people that, and blenders, that these distilleries could sell barrels to to make a little side money. Um, independent bottling now is important because it helps us see, to your point, it helps us see uniqueness, something that somebody, a small distillery that has some unique stuff that they're not able to get out the door. These companies have ability to a wider range and to get these bottles out. And you're not paying as much because yeah, of their yes, mass production exactly. or their, their ability not mass production but their ability to carry these 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 bottlings and these brands so that like, like bobby said i mean this was a couple hundred few hundred dollars um for for this bottle whereas if if there were i don't even know if there is if there was like a core line invergordon 30 year old I, I probably how could you afford that exactly is my impression. Some, something <laughs> like that probably easily at least eight hundred dollars probably more um well, and Inver Gordon typically is a – they're known for blending. Mm. They they make whiskey specifically – although you can buy Inver Gordon bottles, 
their production is for blending for other whiskeys. You know, uh, like a Jack Daniels. I don't know Jack well, Daniels. Uh, like a like a Johnny Walker or something. Right. So, and, and and that's a good point too. For the longest time, most of your distilleries in Scotland were producing for blends, and you had you know these other companies that were you know the the big the big names that most of these other distillers were blending for, and these independent bottlers in Scotland really did a lot to help keep these distilleries afloat because they were they were it was it was before single malts were you know like really popular mm-hmm. and all that the way they are today they would buy you know a handful of barrels from this distillery a handful of barrels from that distillery and they'd be like hey here's you know Glenmorangie here's some stuff that they're that they're producing that's really great that you're not going to find on its own here's some Beaumore here's some this here's some that and they would bottle it under you know like whoever's independent bottling company and we're 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 friendly with we we have relationships with a our sponsor of, of indi- yeah uh, so impex is a great example impex beverages the commercial you heard at the beginning of this episode right exactly joshua hanton who, who owns owns uh single cast nation yeah um the greatest independent bottling company on the planet earth really good dun, dun, dun. also impex just started their own independent bottling this company also and they greatest are also the greatest um but uh, we're lucky uh, to have the greatest of sponsors two all, of them <laughs> all, all all joking aside though it's what uh, the these these things you'll see these things in a store and you'll go and you'll go oh i've never really heard of that is that the, the first uh, before i got really into whiskey i was confused by independent bottlings in the store yeah. because i would see like this weird label but it would say glenmorangie on it and i'd be like but that's not glenmorangie what i i don't know what i'm looking at which glenmorangie is that it, it's a glenmorangie you're not going to find is what it is it's just been bottled by that independent bottler so that's another fun thing too and that's maybe something that if you're a little bit along in your whiskey journey that you know you're you're like okay i've tried all the major brands i know what i like mm-hmm. i know this i know that maybe start digging into some independent bottlings or find find an independent bottler that has that you're you're trusting, you know, that you trust, that you you're like, okay, I like that bottle by them. What I think else the do they have? Most readily available IBs that I know of are probably single cast nation. They're everywhere. Um, I see, especially on the East Coast, a lot of the exclusive malts. Mm. Um, Alexander Murray. Um, I know Total Wine carries Alexander Murray. Kirkland brand technically isn't, I guess, mm-hmm. is an IB. Um, I think they're considered an IB if you have a Costco. They are, they are and that, they're not, and that, that's one of the ones that's sort of a sort of a gray area. Can we actually taste this whiskey a little bit and talk yeah. about it? Because, I guess. So I've I've <laughs> I've brought this damn whiskey to nine recording sessions, and we have yet to actually talk about this it. This damn whiskey. So so I decided to bring it to an episode where Katie was going to be, and she couldn't drink. Um, Thanks, Aaron. No problem, buddy. <laughs> so this is again from the exclusive malts, uh, skin, uh, single grain, single grain whiskey. Um, Nineteen eighty four is when it went into the barrel, and it's aged thirty years. Distilled at Invergordon. It is so it's a single grain, which means not not single malt, right? So it's got not it's got grains in it that are not malted barley, right? So. What it's got is it to me it's got a lot of sort of corn situations going on. So I on think the, it's corn. Yeah, it is corn it's heavy. Cor- it's corn yeah. corn heavy, right? Yeah, almost. And I think we might have brought this up before, and I might be digging a little deeper into it. But on the nose, a little bit, I get a lot of corn, but the taste of it to me has this almost like a 
toasted corn tortilla. You know how you you throw Ooh. it on like the the plancha no. or whatever. So, I was gonna say it, it's the same thing. It's it's that hominy taste. Ah, uh, I gotcha. Okay, real authentic corn tortilla, yeah. like you would get at a whatever. Um, a little more sweetness on it, and a bit of a spice too. Yeah, yeah. And then of course that old age kind of sits there, so it's got a a good way a dank thing. Going yeah, on yeah. There, it's really. got it's got, and I. This is another one that has a super long finish as well. Yeah. Um, what is it? Uh, 52.3% ABV, which is pretty high. This for is a, a nice for a bottle, man. This I, is really... Who got you this? Uh, some This guy <laughs> I know. Um, he, it's a sweet he, gift. He's pushed he me was, into a lot of things. He was great until Jack Daniels like took him out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, but it, all, all joking aside, uh, Bobby did get this for me. Um, Bobby did get this for me. It's in my... It, it was barreled in my, in my birth year. Um. So thanks, buddy. Yeah, for that. Now find me a 1982 something. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, on, I, I mean, so, 68. That's when I was born. So, so, hey, chasers. Aaron here. I wanted to talk about our sponsor, Wilderness Trail Distillery. If you want a great whiskey without the fake legends and made-up history, try some Wilderness Trail Fine Kentucky Bourbon. It's made by master distiller Shane Baker and fermentation expert Pat Heist, who you've heard on the podcast, at their distillery in Danville, Kentucky. They make a weeded bourbon, a high rye bourbon, and a Kentucky-grown rye whiskey. Wilderness Trail is offered in bottled in bond or cask strength. It's non-chill filtered, and the mash bill is on the side of every bottle, so you know what you're buying. This is real information, not some magical recipe or who Shane's great-great-grandpa is. I'm telling you, keep an eye out for Wilderness Trail in your favorite store. If you happen to see a barrel pick or special release of Wilderness Trail on the shelf at your store, grab it. It's not going to last long. If you want more information, check them out online at wildernesstraildistillery.com. Bobby and I very often will will buy each other a whiskey so that we can we can have it and we can try it. We're sweet to one another. We're very. I, sweet I thought you were going to say ourselves. you buy each other whiskeys occasionally so you can one up each other and what you get well, each other. Well, I mean, there's a little bit of that. <laughs> I know if I buy him one, I'll get to drink it. So that's also the. That's okay, true. so let me read this. This is pretty interesting, and I've read this before, but um, Gordon McPhail is probably. Uh, I mean, it's the oldest that I know of, um, but um, and also very famous. Um, uh, IB, you can still, you know, get stuff from. Anyway, uh, before the year 1825, Gordon McPhail, a well-known grocery company uh, from Scot- in Scotland, decided to buy a malt whiskey in a cask and to market it in their own account. Import, important space-side malt uh, whiskey distilleries like McAllen and, and Mortlock recognized the positive effect of their malt whiskey bottled um, there, too. So meaning during those lulls and... Uh, because they're marketing companies. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're mm-hmm. companies like any other. They want to sell their, their stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They don't just, they want to put it in a bottle and sell it in a beautiful, flashy bottle. But sometimes they're like, we just got to get rid of these, move these yeah. barrels, yeah. man. Mm-hmm. So if Both you have an IB or a blender that's going to take that off your hands, and it sounds like Gordon McPhail was kind of one of the first known, according so, to this whiskey.com article. Question, because I hear you guys using IB, independent bottling, and blender kind of interchangeably. I mean, are, are they basically the same thing, or is there a way to differentiate? So... We're going to get in a lot of nuance when we get into IB sourcing and blending, and some and in some of these things there are not clear cut lines. Yeah. Also, we should say so. Yes, where an IB is a little bit more, and in a lot of cases transparent. You you think when you get an IB, you know it came from another distillery. You know it it was sourced. the The idea behind an IB is its uniqueness. Mm-hmm. It's you're getting something. 
that's a little older, a little rarer, a little different, a little niched, you know what I mean? Um, they may have done something to it. It may be like a, you know, something aged and, and then they take it and they'll age it differently or they'll, they'll blend it their self mm-hmm. in a small blend. And that's an IB being kind of, it's almost like me, I don't know, buying a product from, I don't know, let's say, let's say I buy a watch from, from, from Rolex and I take that watch, right? And then I take it and I, and I modify it myself. Maybe I, maybe it's a rare watch Rolex only made a few times and they're like, we don't really have a market for this, and but it's super rare, super unique. I may buy it and then sell it under my name or I may take that watch and modify it. Now it's under my name. Blending is taking pieces from different watch companies and making one watch out of those that's what you're doing. So it's a very thin line, nuanced kind of idea. So Jack or Johnny Walker, rather Johnny Walker is a blended whiskey. They're not looking for a unique. They're not looking for, they're not out there hunting for these special, you know, releases, blends, casks or whatever. They're out there to make their whiskey and the ingredients they use to make their whiskey happen to be from other distilleries. Right. It's kind of so like that, the intention. Yeah. It like. It's and a different intention. A so yeah. like, like, like Johnny Walker, has their their flavor their exact flavor profile that they're trying to make every single time, mm-hmm. and they'll pull whatever whiskeys they can find. That makes it sound bad, but they're gonna get whatever they can to reinforce that same flavor, that same mass production, whatever that they're trying to do. An independent bottler can blend, like they could take you know uh, a a Glenmorangie and an Invergordon, say. And blend them, but they would say on the they would say on the bottle, "Hey, this is a blend of you know sixty percent uh, Glenmorangie, forty percent, or if they don't, Gordon, they may whatever. say from the Highlands. They right. may not, and there, yeah. sometimes there are legal things where they can't say what it is, mm. or there's the distillery doesn't want you to say right, right, yeah. right. Um, yeah. So I, I think, for instance, I have a bottle of a seventeen year old IB, a seventeen year old Orkney. Mm. Pretty certain it's Highland Park." Um, but obviously, for whatever reason, Highland Park could have been from, you know, there's another distillery up there, too. But I'm, I'm, I'm certain it's Highland Park. Maybe they just didn't want it that disclosed because um, they have a 17-year release and whatever. So they don't want that competition. But it was an opportunity to sell barrels on Highland Park's side. Let's say it was Highland Park. And for that IB, it was an opportunity to buy and then to market on their own accord, free from in Highland Park. In this example, wouldn't have to pay for that. Where blending... There are blenders are blending from different places, and a lot of places are just making for the sake of blending. Coila is a great example. Mm-hmm. They make their own single malts that you can buy. I have a Coila 12, I have an 18, there's 25 year, but their shtick is producing four blends typically. Mm-hmm. That's what they, that's all they do. They make whiskey. That's not all they do, but that's a big part of what they do. But yeah, the single yeah. malt portion of it is new. It's fair, it's pretty new yeah. over at Coila. Yeah. Um, right. So, it, it, again, it's there's a lot of gray area in mm-hmm. these things, but I think the an independent bottler is being very specific in trying to tell you, hey, this is this this is what this special thing is in here. The the thing I like about IBs when I think of IBs, now this is not defined. This is my personal opinion when I why I do what I do. I buy an IB for the uniqueness. Mm-hmm. to experience something that I believe is rare and an opportunity that I might not get from them any other time. Only uh, 250 bottles, I believe, are released of that one in front of you. I'm not going to buy an Invergordon 30. First time, I'm not going to buy a 30 year for 200 bucks. No. Right. But to experience. When I buy a blended whiskey, I'm looking for something that's consistent 
And that's in my head, that's been, if it's a good blend that's consistent, not as expensive, unless it's like a compass box, they Mm -hmm. have some expensive Mm -hmm. ones. It's really good, by the way, but something that's purposeful that I know almost like a uh, small batch or in certain cases, it's larger batch, Glenmorangie, or I mean, um, Monkey Shoulders, three, three different distilleries, I Mm -hmm. think. Yeah. Versus your whatever. So I know I'm going to get something consistent, but still good because I know they're using, they're using ingredients from other distilleries to make their, their product. The way I'm almost imagining this is an IB is kind of like your fantasy football draft. Like, you know, you can go through and cherry pick the best or like most unique combination. But when you're talking about who's on your team, you know, you're, you're retaining the fact that this guy's from, I was going to say the Jets, but that's unrealistic. Yeah. <laughs> I'll say this guy's from the Ravens because we're in, you know, Baltimore County or whatever, um, you know, and so on and so forth versus the blends. It's kind of striking me as the real world equivalent of putting your team together. I, I think you want some assimilation, even though you're pulling from different places. Let's use a sports analogy. There it is. So let's say you're putting together an NFL team and you're going to pull from colleges and you're going to draft. You're right. looking for certain balance. You're looking for certain statistics. Mm-hmm. You're looking for certain, you know, ability. An IB is that you go to a college and there's this kid who's doing the, he's not, it's not the norm. It's not just your run of the mill. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Stats are good. He's, he's best on his team. This guy is like, He's got the exceptional. X-factor. There's something different. Yeah. You take him and then a free agent, whatever you want to call it, that's your independent bottle. That's something very special and unique. You're not looking for necessarily balance. You're looking for, wow, this guy can watch. You're looking for that one rock star. Right. Yeah. yeah. You know, and you're you build for that around one, it. Yeah. You're looking for that one that's rock cool. star there. And they're, IBs are essentially the diamonds in the rough. Um, and not that these companies they're coming from aren't producing gold because they, you know, in a lot of cases they are. It's just something extra special. So, yeah. Um, now, here's where it gets, in my opinion, Harry, because blends are a little bit different. Sourcing mm-hmm. versus mm-hmm. an IB. So, specifically in America, because IBs are kind of new to us, um, and sourcing isn't new at all. Sourcing is, I'm not making it right now, or I don't plan to make it, but I'm hiring an external company to, I'm hiring the distiller to make a whiskey a lot of times based on my specifications, to label and sell under my name as my whiskey. Um, That is like, I guess, to hire a chef to cook, you know, in your kitchen from, you know, he Mm -hmm. may come from another kitchen and you hire him and then serve that food through your kitchen with your restaurant's name on it. Um, But here's the rough recipe I want. Here's the type of flavor. Right. Here's what I'm looking for, give or take. So, and sourcing is pretty common. An IB, specifically in America, and I don't know that a lot of sourcing happens over in Scotland. I think that's really an American thing. Yeah, I can't yeah. think of any. There might be. If, Bl- I mean, you have blends, but like that's really. What's that? It. You have blends, um, blended whiskeys in, in Scotland, but you don't have. Oh, blended like, whiskeys. But blends. you don't. I thought you, you said don't. Blantons. I'm like, well, that. Yeah, Blantons in Scotland. Yeah. Scottish Blantons. I was like, wait a second. Yeah, <laughs> that was stroke. real hard to find. No, blends. <laughs> yeah, blends, blends, blends. Um, yeah, yeah. So in America, IBs are more transparent. So what I, American IBs are very like, this came from this distillery. These are the, it's a, we're championing, IBs are championing the stories of these distillers that they're pulling their whiskey from versus maybe somebody that pulls from a, from MGP. They're honest about it. Yeah, I got it from MGP, but they're just putting in their recipe and they're, they're, um, they're outsourcing their make their their creations same idea so there's make the, it scalable right it's the nuanced differences so that's 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 the and there's a lot of 
we've talked about it before with previous guests. Sourcing is a is a great tool, especially for somebody starting out to give the world a great whiskey relied on their marketing, meaning the actual company's marketing and ability and know-how to produce and push that whiskey. And I, I feel like it, in the United States, we're, we're seeing, we're seeing more, more sourcing happening that is similar to an independent bottler almost in just, just it's in its transparency. So because Bardstown is relatively new, all of their, their in-house stock is young. So that's what they're doing is they're creating, they're still distilling, they're still aging all of their own stuff. And a lot of their stuff, they're sort of easing into their current, um, mostly sourced bottles. They are their own company. They're currently sourcing. I imagine at some point they're going to have stuff that is entirely theirs. Well, they will, yeah. And I, I don't know that they will continue to source. In po- no, I'm sure they I, have Steve Nally at the helm now. Yeah, their master yeah. distiller, and, and that dude is. I mean, he knows what's up. Right, right. And I think the point, like you said, they were just young, and now. So that's a great example of why you might source because you're newer or younger, and you don't have the ability right. or time. And then there's brands that just source, and they're just always going to source because the, you know they can get what they need from where wherever they don't have an interest in actually distilling and that's okay too. Mm-hmm. So that again, gray areas, a little bit of hair, you know, it's, it's, it's all, it, it, there are things that, you know, is a little bit nuanced, but again, I'm, I'm tired of having this hour long conversation you're, you're, with you're people eager, every time. You're eager to refer back to a great episode. Oh, to explain God, it. here, I, go I click on this link. If I can, a takeaway, mm-hmm. they're all great ways to buy whiskey. Yeah. Oh, yeah. IBs, super interesting, super unique. Think of you're going into an old, you know, rustic antique bookstore looking for something that's not available anywhere Mm -hmm. else, or maybe some fine first edition or local something written by a local artist or whatever. You know, that's that's IB. Um, Blend is simply a to stick to the book analogy, a, a combination of stories from different books or different ideas. Mm-hmm. What do you, what do you, you yeah, know, like yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah, yeah, like a whole book of different. Maybe all of you know, you know, I don't know who's a, who's a famous writer. I've never read a book in my life. Apparently, <laughs> um, um, Steve Buscemi, the works of so and so. Right. Yeah. Name a name a freaking writer. So I Dan well, Brown. Yeah. Dan Brown. All the works of Dan Brown. <laughs> so no, but all the works of a one, of one or multiple books. There's right. your blend. And then, of course, you're, you're from a distillery as your one writer. Right. So that's kind of the best way to understand it. So you're not getting bad from either one. You're no, really getting... No, it's, it's It's just... Uh, I want people to be able to understand, as best they can, sort of the differences between this thing and that yeah. thing. I'd like to touch on, if we can, really briefly, barrel picks and sort of where they fall into all this. Because I've had people say to me, well, what's the difference between an IP an IB and a barrel pick? Just to jump in on that real quickly, yeah. too. Barrel picks were something I was excited particularly to talk about with you guys today because I feel like there have been a handful of guests that we've talked about or even just people we've chatted with in passing who have recently gone through that process or they're about to. And it definitely seems like the hot new thing that, you know, not just stores or, you know, different organizations are going through, but I've even heard of private collectors that are, are going through barrel picks now. So well, it's on the upswing. You have small groups, if I can, you mean, to, yeah, yeah, yeah. you have small groups. So a barrel pick is from a distillery and distilleries, it's on, it's their bottle. You know, you think of something big. So Black Bourbon Society, um, they did a barrel pick with Maker's, Maker's Mark, Mark right? mm-hmm. yeah. and won triple gold or something. Um, 
You know, we read it. I up. think we yeah. tried that one San too. San Francisco double gold, double gold. Yeah, um, it's great. That's but if you it's a Maker's Mark bottle with Maker's Mark label. It's Maker. It's everything. It's dipped. It's all that. And then there's a label on it that says Black Bourbon Society. So if Cast Chasers does a barrel pick. Let's say we do a barrel pick with Buffalo Trace. It's going to be a Buffalo Trace bottle, Mm -hmm. Buffalo Trace whiskey. We just go out there and pick a barrel, and then somewhere on the bottle, our label, a little label would say "Cast Chasers Barrel Pick." Yeah, a little label, a little sticker, or something like that. And we're just the ones picking it because of whatever we like from that particular barrel. And it may be two hundred fifty bottles, you know, whatever a barrel produces, Um, and that's it. We're not looking to mass produce it. It's not a company. It's just a, a group or. A law firm might do it. You know, they can go out. A law oh, firm yeah. can go yeah, out, it, and, and that does happen. That one hundred percent does happen. It's, some, it's good team building, and it, so like all <laughs> all of that. The the only selection process in that is the one two handful of people that are you know going and picking between however many barrels. Mm-hmm. You know that that's that's the thing. They are more of more of a kind of a uh, a one off thing. You know, yeah. like a lot of liquor stores do them. I love barrel picks from liquor stores. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, they're they're one of my favorite things. Yeah. If you a see a barrel pick, pick yeah. at a liquor store, grab it. They're typically Especially affordable. if it's Wilderness Trail. Yeah, Wilderness <laughs> A lot of people are doing that. Um, near us, there's um, Vlamis that I think they just, that's a, that's in a town called Elkton, Maryland, um, right near us. They did a Buffalo Trace. Yeah, um, that, that's almost gone. By the yeah. time this episode comes out, it's gone. It'll be gone. So. But, <laughs> my po- but my point is you have people who are, if you trust your liquor store, that know what they're doing, going out and picking a barrel and bringing it back and label. It doesn't leave the label. Unlike an IB where Maker's Mark, if I did an IB with Maker's Mark, their name's not, they're not the main label. Mm-hmm. Our company is, and then somewhere small on our label would say, you know, uh, expression for Maker's Mark or whatever it may be. So, if independent bottling, going back to your metaphor, if independent bottling is like oh, your, <laughs> I know, get ready. Wherever this is going, the first edition, the rare find we're trying to to go for, or like the the local piece of artwork that we just happen to be passing through and grab, and then blending or sourcing could be more of like a compilation, right? Mm-hmm. The the works of Ernest Dan Hemingway. Brown. <laughs> That's a better one. <laughs> are are barrel picks a choose your own adventure book? Yeah, but it's 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 getting an autograph from that artist. It's getting oh, a book and like getting that. a sign like by the artist. Better. Sure, mm-hmm. yeah, you know yeah. what I mean. And you you know um, you're picking your favorite book and you're saying, hey, can you sign this? It's Dear clear. Ernest Hemingway. Yeah, you're not putting your name on it. You're not saying it was from you. Whatever. It's um it's their bottle clearly if somebody saw it on the shelf they'd be like oh what's that maker's mark and you would say that's a barrel pick we did Mm -hmm. um and then you would say well that's different because that's something you i trust you you're my friend whatever picked i'm interested in trying your your thoughts on something you every barrel tastes different so picking a barrel is unique so maker's mark buffalo trays Uh i know We've we've heard of Four Roses barrel picks too, yeah, right? Elijah there, Craig, a, yeah. Knob Creek, yeah, Knob all, Creek, yeah. Lo, lots and old lots of line did one. Yeah, old, at, old um, line's on a couple. Drug City, yeah. Drug City in Baltimore has uh, old line. Oh, I think they still have one set aside for couple. me that I need to go pick up. <laughs> uh, I was just talking to George. He was like, he said, I think I thought he said he had a couple. Did he? Uh, <laughs> that he drank. Sorry, he drank. Sorry, yeah. Aaron. Well, I said one second. I deserve Aaron. it. He I drank. deserve it. So, yeah, that's it's very nuanced. And this is, again, with most of the conversations we have, it's about trying things. It's about, again, the chase. It's about the chase, right? It's about seeing something on the shelf that's different. You A lot of times you go in, and I, I, was, I went to a bar the other day. Um, I, um, 
was it the farmer and the cow? Is that the name of the? the yeah, that's the far- one you went to. Yeah, farmer and the cow in Wilmington, Delaware. Um, really cool bar, burger joint. Um, amazing, actually. Highly recommend if you're in the area. Um, great group of people over there. Really know what they're doing. They have one of the best bourbon with and whiskey selection, whiskey selections in general I've ever seen in a bar. Mm-hmm. And this is a small bar, and it is amazing. I went in there, and there's a whole shelf. And one of my favorite is the is the Miyagikyo, and they had that, and which I can't find anywhere, right? right. They had all yeah, kinds. Yeah. I mean, dude, they had, name it, they had it. But I'm picking things that I'm like, I my own, I failed myself because I, I was drinking the things that I've had before. Right, yeah. But the guy behind the bar knew who I was. He was like, hey, no, try this, try this. He kept bringing out things I've never tried before. And there's one called Mic Drop, which I've heard of, but I've never had. Mm. And it's amazing, MB, MGP product, yeah, as a right. matter of fact. Um, very, very open about their source and what's in there, whatever, mash bill. Because I didn't, I need to do a better job of just picking things. And so that's what you should do, the listener. If you see a barrel pick, that's a good way to start trying something different and new and unique. Well, and I, I think that's a good point, too. If, if you want to sort of start going on this kind of journey where you're finding some unique, nuanced things that are kind of similar to things you know you like, maybe start with barrel picks because they're going to be, at, from a price point uh point of view they're going to be close to what you're what you're paying in the store for that product anyway and then maybe from there start looking into ivs and that so yeah just keep trying stuff keep chasing fools or make your own you'll never that, go wrong if you just keep drinking illegal. is what i'm that's picking up <laughs> in the bathtub make your own Bobby said. Bobby he could not have said that more quietly <laughs> Make, you should make your own. Make your own. That's really original. Cast Chaser says what? I burned my house down, you idiot. <laughs> we said make your own whiskey, not your own meth. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Awesome. Gather my thoughts on that yeah. one. All right, Cast Chasers, as always, no matter what type of whiskey you like or how you like to see it made, make sure you're following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Cast Chasers. Check out our new swag shop for official Cast Chasers shirts, hoodies, glasses, and merch every whiskey enthusiast is sure to love. And if you want to relive this episode, visit CaskChasers.org to look at today's show notes and the rest of our Cast Chasers podcast library. And until the next time you tune in, remember... It's not about finding the perfect dram. It's all in the chase. Mm-hmm.